This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. Uh, This morning, our gospel lesson comes from the Gospel of Luke. And so if you have a Bible with you, or if you would like to uh, pull out a pew Bible this morning, or uh, perhaps pull out your phone and and join me in the scripture, it's Luke chapter 2, we'll beginning with verse 41. And this passage in Luke is a very unique one to the Gospels. Uh, So before we read it, uh, I want you to to know that throughout the Gospels, we hear lots of stories about Jesus. Uh, We hear stories about Jesus as a child, as an infant, uh, who was born uh, in a manger to Mary. We hear about him all the way up to about two years old. And then we jump many, many years all the way till he is about 30 and begins his adult ministry uh, as an adult. This is the only place in the Gospels where we get a glimpse into that in-between life uh, between the age of two and the age of 30. And this is a very special time. It's when Jesus is 12 years old. Now, if you have a 12-year-old, or let's say a 12 or 13-year-old, or you have ever had a 12 or 13-year-old, or you have ever been in a room with a 12 or 13-year-old, you know that this age is a very, let's call it, interesting age in the life of our children. And so there is a, an opportunity here as you hear the scripture, and I want you to just imagine your favorite 12-year-old, and you can use favorite loosely, your favorite 12-year-old as you hear the scripture read. So you hear this word from Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 41. And every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. Well, Paul's right there at verse 45. Some people have asked, how would that be possible? His parents travel from Nazareth to Jerusalem once a year. It's about a three days journey. It's about 70 miles on foot. If you were to drive it today, it's about 90 miles. and take you about a little over two hours uh, to drive that trip. And they would take it over several days, three or four days, to make that trip. And so they would travel in large groups, uh, partly for companionship, uh, but also for safety. And so they would travel, and what would happen is, every day, the children would just go run free and play with their cousins and their friends, and they would bounce around all these places all throughout the day, And then at night, the immediate family would regather and they would sleep. They would gather and have dinner and then they would sleep. And so it was after that first day that they began to look for Jesus and could not find him. Now again, 12 to 13. Keep that in mind. Begin with verse 45. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. We'll come back to that. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. Again, if you have been a parent of a 12 or 13 year old, I wonder how many of you in this room have asked that very question. Child, why have you treated us like this? 
you are causing your dad and I great anxiety. Now, you may not use the word anxiety. I'll let you use whatever word you choose. But my sister, uh, when she was 13, uh, she chose uh, to she chose to not speak to my mom for an entire year. I think it was a challenge she took on. This is not a recommendation, children. This is an observation. It was got so bad at a point where she would actually sit at the same table with my dad and my mom, and she would say to my dad, Dad, would you ask mom to pass the chicken? Mom would be sitting right there. My parents, of course, did not put up with this. They just dealt with it. They would, of course, speak back, sometimes with words like, why, child, are you treating us like this? <laughs> other times, other expressions of, you are causing us great anxiety. But that happens at this age. And Mary was also experiencing these emotions in verse 40, 48. 49, Jesus said to them, why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Now, that may not be a question you've ever received. Mommy and Daddy, why were you looking for me? Of course I'd be at church. <laughs> now, now, if you had kids here this week, we had about 28 kids who were here for a lock-in. Uh, I assume they all went home, those that went home. So they were at church. So this time they behaved. Todd said they survived, so that was a good thing. But that is not a question we often get from that age. But they did not understand him. And then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, there's a lot happening in this passage. And we could go into lots of different places in it as we uh, look at what uh, is happening in Jesus' life at this time. Uh, in fact, that last verse, Luke chapter 2, verse 52, is the foundational verse uh, for a curriculum we use for our kids called 252 Basics. And it's our commitment in that verse to watch our children grow in divine and human favor. In other words, our task is to help them grow more in love with God and to be able to love their neighbors well, to know the love of neighbor and to love their neighbors well. And so from a very young age, your children in this place are receiving that teaching. But this morning, I want to focus on verse 46. It's what Lauren mentioned this morning in her children's time. But after three days, when they found Jesus in the temple, he was sitting among the teachers, the rabbis, and he was listening to them and asking them questions. Here is the Son of God, Jesus, at 12, year, 12 years old, sitting at the feet of rabbis in the temple, listening attentively and asking questions. Questioning has always been a part of what it means to be the people of God. The children of God have always been a people who have asked hard questions about where is God, why God, how do we do this God? And so questions have been part of our nature from the very beginning, and Jesus was no different. Here was Jesus modeling what a 12-year-old looks like as he asks questions and seeks to understand and to learn. As a parent of two young kids, I have a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old. In fact, I think we've got a picture. John, do you have it? Or Steve? Here are my kids. Um, Coleman is our nine-year-old. He is uh, a great kid. They're both great kids. Uh, he's a great kid. He loves to play sports and, and loves his sister. Um, my sister uh, his sister is Campbell. She's seven years old. Um, they are, their mom, my wife, 
is a photographer. And so they've learned to pose very early. <clears throat> In fact, they do these poses to, to, to appease her. And then you go to the next one. They also um, learn how to laugh on command, which is great. And then if you look, show the next ones. You got one more, I think, Steve? They also learn the model pose very early. She's showing off her sign. <laughs> But one of the things about my kids is even from a very young age, they ask questions. And like many of you, you've heard these questions. They are sometimes simple questions. You know, Daddy, why is the sky blue? You know, Daddy, you know, how did God make all of the trees? Daddy, what is your favorite color? Or the one that Lauren mentioned this morning, Daddy, are we there yet? Uh, our daughter has actually started to learn how to navigate so she can see and know how far we are from home. Our son, it does not matter if we are 30 minutes from home or 30 seconds from home, he has no clue where we are. <laughs> As they've gotten older, they've asked harder questions. You know, some of them have been science-based. You know, Daddy, why are there no more dinosaurs roaming the earth? Or, Daddy, is slime a solid or a liquid? Uh, the follow-up question that I ask them is, do I need to tell your mother something? Or they ask other hard questions. Daddy, why are there earthquakes? Daddy, why are there floods? Daddy, why does God allow these things that might harm people? Or probably the hardest question that I've ever heard for the first time as a dad. Daddy, why are people so mean? As a parent and as a pastor, part of what I do is I get to listen and hear the questions of God's children. As a pastor, those questions sometimes are general. They're questions like, why do we go to church? Or why do we worship? Or why do we pray? Or maybe more importantly, how do we pray? Or sometimes they're more specific. They're questions like, you know, what do we do if, if I have a spouse that doesn't believe the same things about God that I believe? Or why is marriage so difficult? Or how do I get through this next season of life after a loss or an illness or a change? We hear these questions over and over again. Sometimes it's our task to ask those big questions. Amanda last week, as she was leading us in the baptismal service, asked the people who were coming forward or the parents that were bringing children forward to be baptized uh, three, three questions. Uh, one of them is I think we have on the screen. You know, this is the first question we ask uh, every time, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sins? In other words, do you turn away, do you choose to turn away from the things that keep us from God toward God? And then she asks two other questions. But the fourth question is the one we ask you, and this is an important one. It says, will you uh, nurture these persons in Christ's holy church, that by your teaching and example they may be guided to accept God's grace for themselves to profess their faith openly, and to lead a Christian life. The question we respond to every time someone is baptized is, will we nurture them, not future them, that's a different thing, will we nurture them that by our teaching and example, by the way we talk and the way we live, that when people see us, they might follow Christ? I think at our core, that is the question we must answer. When people see this church, when people see you, when people see me, 
by the lives and examples that we live, will they therefore go and seek to follow our God? That's a convicting question. This morning, in a moment, uh, as I go over to Contemporary and begin this process again, Amanda's going to close this sermon and talk about what that means for us uh, here at our Apex campus. But I want to close my time with you uh, with one last question. And it comes from Matthew chapter 22. It is a question that was asked of Jesus in verse 34. It's one you may be familiar with. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. They said, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? And Jesus said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. Our church is going through a season of change. We're receiving a new lead pastor. Thank you for your applause. That is comforting. And yet, we recognize that the answer to that question never changes. When we are asked what is most important as followers of Christ, the answer has been the same from the very beginning. It is to love the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. No matter who sits in my shoes or in Amanda's shoes, no matter who wears this stole, which was a gift from Gray last night, we are a people who take seriously that call to love God with everything we have and to love our neighbor with a radical love of Christ. This morning, there's a video uh, that we're going to show that will be part of our introduction in the next several weeks, and it is our vision statement from 2006 that morphs into this logo. That vision statement was a statement that we came together through a cornerstone process about what we wanted to be as a church. And at its core is that very thing, to love the Lord our God and to love our neighbor. As Tim said, we are a people who have been called to ask questions from the beginning of our existence. The questions of why and how and where. And for me, I have come to know um, the, the thought of asking a lot of questions in my short time here. The last few months, I've had a lot of questions. But before I ever came to this place, um, I had the opportunity to ask a lot of questions of Gray and Tim when I sat down to meet with them to talk and to pray about whether God was calling me to be here among you or not. They were so kind and, and informative, and I tried to be like Jesus, 12-year-old Jesus, and sit at their feet and learn from the masters, right? And so I, I got all the information. At the end of every meeting I had with them, they would ask me, do you have any questions? Well, I love to ask questions, and so I would ask them several different things throughout our time together. But let me tell you, I let loose whenever they asked me if I had questions. I wanted to know what kind of community you were. I wanted to know how many people come to church on Sunday. I wanted to know um, who's their favorite staff person. It might have been Todd. I'm just kidding. I didn't ask that one. But I asked all kinds of questions about your church, our church here. You name a question, and I probably had it. But probably the most important question that I had um, that I needed an answer to was about asking questions. 
ironic, huh, that one who likes to ask questions would ask that final question. And so at the end of our last meeting together, they said once more, well, do you have any questions? And I said, well, you know, I want you all to know something about me. I love to ask hard questions. Is this a church where your pastor can ask hard questions? And they, the answer that they gave me is one of those things that helped me make the decision to come here. They said, absolutely. Our church is not afraid to ask the hard questions. We're not afraid to ask those questions and to live into who God has called us to be, regardless of whether it takes us outside of our comfort zone or it means changing or moving forward into something new, that we are committed to asking those hard questions because that's who God has called us to be. We aren't afraid to ask the hard questions. And for me as a pastor, that was a huge relief because I think that's what Jesus was doing in that time as he sat at the feet of those teachers and rabbis in that synagogue that day. He was asking the hard questions. Over the next few weeks, we're going to take a deeper look at our values. We're going to ask some hard questions. We're going to look at what it means to be a church that welcomes all, that loves all, and serves all. What does that really mean for us? Who is all, and what does it mean to welcome them, to love them, to serve them? We can't help but be transformed in our love of Jesus as we think about that call from Matthew as Jesus answers that question about the greatest commandment. that We are called to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, mind, and our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Tim began early on in his message sharing the different questions that our kids come up with. And, and Lauren said it in her message today with our children. That one of the things we ask as children who are on a journey is, are we there yet? Are we there yet? I guess my answer would be, almost. And that will always be my answer, is almost. Because as people of God, as believers in Jesus Christ, we believe that we see glimpses of God's kingdom, but we won't quite realize the fullness of God's kingdom until Christ returns and we feast at his heavenly banquet. And so I invite you to be with me on this journey of almost, to ask those hard questions that God has called us to ask as a community of faith. We live in the now and not yet, and we have the hope of tomorrow. We can look around us and see those glimpses of God's kingdom, and we can choose to live into those things that God has called us to do. And so I challenge you to live like the 12-year-old Jesus, to listen and to learn around you, but to ask those hard questions that God has called us to. Today is a special day in the life of our church. You've already uh, heard a little bit about the fact that after this service today, we'll have our kickoff an exciting time where we get to highlight all the many ways that God is working in our community. And we get to share those things with those of you in this, in this room today and in contemporary. What I encourage you and challenge you to do is that whether you've been a part of our church for 20 years or two months, whether you're a little, you get into a little bit of everything and you're a part of four or five different ministries or you've just come to worship on Sunday mornings and this might be your second or third time, is to listen and to learn about all the many ways that God is working through us, to visit the different tents that are outside, and to get to know those people who are passionate about those ministries, to ask them questions. How did they get started in this ministry? What's the thing that brings them the most joy about this ministry? 
But to ask yourself a hard question, is God calling me? Is God calling me to do this thing or to to stop doing this thing so I can do that thing? Ask that hard question so that you can answer God's call to serve the kingdom of God here in southwest Wake County. I want to challenge each of you to do that as we break in a few moments to share in fellowship and fun and learning more about God's work in our community here. As we close our time together, I wanted to leave you with some questions to ponder as we begin to move into this series where we're going to highlight each week. Next week, we'll talk about what does it mean to welcome all. The week after that, what does it mean to love all? And finally, what does it mean to serve all? I want to ask you, to think about these things over this coming week. First, are you living faithfully into who God has called you to be? In that video, we saw that we are people who passionately desire others to follow Jesus because of our example. Do you have that passion within you that others might desire to follow Jesus because of you? What does it mean for us to truly welcome all Is welcome more than a handshake or a hug on Sunday morning? What does it mean for us to serve all? Is that more than just painting somebody's house or doing something nice for them or bringing a can of food to a food drive? And what does it mean to love all people? Does that look like more than just a helping hand extended or a prayer given to someone? And finally, the question that I want to ask you to ponder this week is to think about, are you there yet? And what does it mean to live in that almost period? We're almost there and yet not quite. Are we there yet? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity to learn more about Jesus and the questions that he had. Lord, help us to be a people who ask hard questions to be okay with uh, uncertain answers, um, to be able to live fully into who you've called us to be in the time that we call almost. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.